0: Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Jody Fisher. This is the podcast for all dads who want to succeed with
1: life's topics, especially related to family and finances. And here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey, Jody. How you doing? Hello, Paul. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing fantastic. I think I'm in week of uh, uh, the quarantine. Not... We have stopped counting. Yeah, I think we officially <laughs> stopped at this point. Um trying to uh, normal normalcy right the new normal uh, working every day busy as heck as we talked about pre on the podcast before um, and the previous podcast before that so the days are the weeks are kind of merging together I've seen a lot of funny mem uh, memes
0: yeah I really don't understand why everybody isn't following the same rules right now they're very clear so let's take a minute and let's go over them again first you must not leave the house for any reason Unless, of course, you have a reason and then you may leave the house.
1: Hanging in there and hanging on. How are you doing? Yeah, we're doing great. Uh, You know, like you said, this is the new normal Uh,
0: with five, six, however many weeks into it. And here in New York, we've got, I think, by my count, at least three weeks until May 15th. Um, You know, just I've eliminated the phrase we want to get back to normal because I don't think we have. A getting back to normal here. I think we have a long, slow walk to whatever our new normal is going to be. Like you said, and um, it'll be interesting to see where it takes us. I think a lot of the um, true effects of being locked down and uh, quarantined, or whatever you want to call it, are starting to kick in in terms of the the economic impact of this, the the, uh, the psychological impact of this. Um, you know, we're we're trying to eye up what's going to happen for the summer here, how it has an impact on our kids, uh, and all of us out there. You know, trying to figure out that's why we're here, financial dads. We're talking about our families and especially our kids. Uh, we're trying to figure out what summer looks like here, and I know summer may feel far away, but we're we're one week away from May. Uh, and in my book, summer starts when
1: I can go outside, fire up the grill and put on my
0: flip flops. So <laughs> that's very, very
1: soon. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Well, today's topic is financial advisors. Do you need one? And if so, how do you pick one? But first we're going to go through some housekeeping items. A uh, big shout out to Ann Ashowski Shields, who shared financial dad's Facebook post. It's called savings, six months salary in a liquid or semi-liquid account start with 10 to 15% deposit from each check that's a dime on a dollar quit your bad habits and deposit it until you're solvent simple and facepalm well you get the facepalm emoji yes yes very succinct very good um you know i think that we have um, in short i think that's what we've been preaching or been talking about but i like the way ann put it jody i don't know about you but i think she put it in a much more because you got to see the caps and such on the Facebook page, and I, I applaud her for this because this is really um, – I'll call it the tough love post. Um, it's got enough capitalization in there where you see the shouting and where it needs to be effective. So thank you, Wan, for your submission. Any thoughts on it, Jody? Yeah, absolutely.
0: This is, this is what we talk about. We, if you're going to start saving, start now. Make it a little teeny tiny piece and start to walk it up. Yep. Um, you'll get you'll get there but getting started it's just like anything else it's like a diet it's like an exercise routine it's like a project around the house um, get started in the smallest way you can possibly get started and then walk it up you'll be amazed at how easy it becomes i think if you approach it that way
1: yep perfect and and thanks again for your submission um, another housekeeping item is that we're also live streaming on facebook right now a live look behind the scenes of how we record the podcast each week We have to figure out how to put us both on there together on the stream, but let us know if you like it um, when we post it to the Facebook page. So you'll see Jody this first week um, and you'll see us live in action and we'll try to figure out how to make it um with both of us but we're still working on that and also
0: anybody who's watching us on facebook right now is seeing the side of my head uh (laughs) and hello i'm waving to the camera but uh yeah we'll figure out how to enhance
1: this but always playing with new technology here right paul yep very cool yes absolutely and just another reminder small reminder on youtube as well so check us out like and subscribe on youtube um so now we'll go to our second Uh, favorite feature of the podcast and that's the story so we'll talk about some news stories we saw this past week Okay, story one is uh, from usnews.com US News and World Report and the title is what is a fiduciary financial advisor and this is a timely discussion for today um, and it talks about you know what a fiduciary is and and how you want to have a fiduciary as your financial advisor Jody what did you think of this story?
0: Uh, yeah, it, an interesting read, uh, and we're going to get into this in the podcast here. But whenever I see the word fiduciary, I always translate that to responsible or responsibility. Um, you know, when you say you have a fiduciary responsibility, that that means that you um, you have a sense of ownership of what's going on in a, a financial arrangement. And so I think that's a nice way to approach um picking a financial advisor is pick someone who has a fiduciary responsibility to what that per, what they're doing for you um you know this is this is a, a longer article at least longer by my my by my standards because like i said i'm a lousy reader <laughs> so this will take me 15 minutes to get through um but lots of uh lots of good bullet
1: points in here check it out yeah and we'll dive into it deeper into today's topic so um on that, we'll we'll jump to the second story, and it's in the Albany Democrat Herald. Strengthen your financial resilience with these three insights. And I know we're we're sort of beating a a dead rock. I'll say I won't I won't use animals um, <laughs> in my analogy. We're beating we're a dead animal, rock.
0: Animal friendly here. That's right. We're today. animal friendly.
1: So, and the questions it poses to answer are: How much of an emergency fund is necessary? How does carrying a credit card balance affect my credit? And should you take money from your 401k so I guess the first one we talk about all the time easy Um, have as much as you can in the emergency fund we talk about three to six months I'm more comfortable 6 to 12 months Uh, if you talk to me later on in the podcast I might say 18 months 24 months 36 months my wish list is to have it um, you know as big as possible Jody what's your take on that particular question I know we've talked about it many times in the past
0: I agree with you emergency fund should be as big as possible bare minimum It's a thousand dollars cash in the bank savings account It's liquid and you can grab it whenever you run into an emergency and it's not convenience emergency like oh, I need a new thing It's wow the transmission went out on the car or Wow, there's an unexpected medical bill. that just popped up and I need to get rid of it It's those kinds of emergencies. So yeah emergency fund minimum a thousand bucks uh, and the other bookend as big as possible, like you yeah, said.
1: Yeah, the article focuses really on the minimum, and and I, I granted, yes, if you're there, please get to the minimum. But your your goal, from our perspective, our advice is to is to carry it forward. The next question on carrying the credit card balance: um, the answer, relying on credit cards can work as a financial bridge when money is tight, but paying at least the minimum on time is critical to protect your credit standing. You know, this is a bigger question here. And listen back to the previous podcasts. I I think I agree. If you're at that point in your finances where you need to put the emergency fund on the credit card, and we've talked about this in the past, make sure every other resource is exhausted before you do that. Um, it's okay, but just realize that you know once you're owing money, you got to pay it back and those minimums are are critical if you want to keep your credit score going. Jody, any take on that? Hey, uh, credit cards are evil you had a fast- fastest way to get you in financial trouble
0: um and if you have a balance, do everything you can to pay it off um I would also this isn't in the article too, but while we're talking about it you know I found myself in the position several years ago of having several credit cards and dying by a thousand cuts every month and couldn't make a dent enough um. To to pay down all the credit cards and so one of the approaches there is that that snowball method that lots of financial advisors talk about You know paying the smallest balance first getting rid of that one and walking your way up towards the largest balance um, I Actually tried before I tried that which worked for me. I tried credit card consolidation uh, and th- that basically means take all of your balances and surf them over to a single card Um, That you can then just hit and pay off Um, That can be smart as long as you have your math worked out um, Because you can surf it all over to a zero percent card and make some progress But if you don't make um, If you don't get it all paid off by the time that zero percent expires you can be looking at retroactive interest payments, so just be careful if you if you do some credit card balance surfing uh, in order to pay down your credit cards, uh, it because it can get you into more trouble than you try to get out of in the first place.
1: No, make makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. I am going to I'm going to counter a little bit to what you said before, Jody. I, I really do, and I talked about this on a previous podcast. And I'll do a lesser analogy. I think that credit cards for me and my family have been a very valuable tool. So, uh, similar to a chainsaw, if you know how to operate a chainsaw effectively. You could cut down the tree safely. You could do whatever you need to do with that chainsaw effectively, swiftly, and safely. If you don't know what you're doing, there's a danger that you can cut your arm off, you can cut your leg, right? There's a lot of things that can happen here. Um, For us and my family, credit cards are a tool that we use on a monthly basis to handle our finances. And, And we've talked about this in the past. So I know there's going to be differing opinions as to credit cards out there but the warranty the 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 some of these niceties that come with credit cards um i feel that my family does a really good job of of handling and so i'm a i'm a fan of them i think for us they've been necessary but you got to use them wisely if you don't use them wisely they could be as dangerous as a chainsaw so I'll let you respond to that, Jody, if you have any. (laughs) any
0: I have used the chainsaw several times and I absolutely agree with your analogy.
1: (laughs) Perfect. Okay, great, great. So we're both on the same page. So um, I think we'll jump to the next one, which should you take money out of your 401k? And this is an interesting one because it talks about taking money out versus loans, versus, you know, do you take a loan on your 401k? Do you take take money out of your 401k? Once again, I think, what it say, what it says here is the mechanics of doing it, and and I say that if you're at that point in your finances where you really need to have cash coming in, and you've exhausted every other possibility, it's another tool that you can use, another level you could pull in order to help you through that financial crisis. Let's let's be realistic. I I don't want to be someone who could sit here and say no never touch your 401k, that's, that's blasphemy. Hey, if you have no job and you have no unemployment coming in, you have three kids and you're sitting on a healthy 401k fund, you're going to have to start tapping it. Period, end of story, right? You have to do what's right at the time, make those decisions based on the facts you have at the time, the circumstances at the time, and do what's best for you and your family. If I were put in that situation where I lost my job, my wife lost her job, We had no money left in the bank, and the money that I had left was my 401k and my retirement funds, and I had no unemployment, and I had no job prospects, done. I'm withdrawing, taking the penalty, whatever it takes to keep my family going. Uh, Jody, what's your take when it comes to the 401k, and should you take money from your 401k or not?
0: Yeah, I, I still believe in the the overall primary theory of trying to not touch your 401k because as you outlined there, Paul, it is, it is fraught with peril. Um, that said, I actually dipped into my 401k to start my, my business three and a half years ago. Um, and I did so, uh, under the, uh, logic of, I have this much in my 401k right now and I'm not going to be able to touch it for another 25 years. And, at the rate I'm going, I'm not going to be able to contribute to that um, in any significant way to make that, you know, the, the million or two dollars that I need to make it if, I, if I'm just sort of eking out my existence. But if I take this money now, start a business, pay the penalty, and then ramp up that business to a place where I'm making significantly more money than I, than I could be just taking another job – I can actually make that withdrawal pay off. So I, I, I did that withdrawal from the 401k and taking the penalty, knowing that there was a plan in place to pay it back and then some. And I think that's what we've always talked about is when you're when you're if, if you need to swipe a credit card, or you need to take a loan, or you need to withdraw from the 401k, you you really shouldn't do it. But if you do do it, do it with eyes wide open and do it with a plan. Do it with a plan to get to a better place than you are now. And if you can't put that plan in place and commit to that plan, then you
1: probably shouldn't do it. Yep. And, and I think that I think that's, that's all great stuff. And if you listen back to some of the podcasts that we had, especially on the entrepreneurship, you'll hear a little bit more about that story from Jody about um, leveraging the 401k. I, I think for me, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I, I think, for, once again, for me, if if, if it's got to be last resort. And the plan would be, my family's not eating. I'm going to get evicted. I have this money left and there's no prospect in sight of replacing that money or getting extra money or getting any income coming in for whatever reason, um, then I would I would tap into it. So I think with that, we'll, we'll close out the story segment and we'll uh, move on to the weekly topic. And that's the financial advisors. Do you need one? And if so, how do you pick one? So I'll, I'll, like we always do, I'll go into my current situation. For many years, I didn't have a financial advisor. I went from job to job, I would invest in my 401k. I did have a small stock portfolio outside of my 401k. Um, And when it came to my small stock portfolio and my 401k, I was definitely no Warren Buffett. Um, I was not making any money. The money wasn't growing. It just seemed to either be stagnant or losing, especially the non-retirement stock picks that I had. Um, I forget I think I had Home Depot I had Disney now maybe long term they might have worked but for whatever reason um, the stock portfolio didn't work for me so because it's not my expertise I finally realized that I'm a technologist by by trade and a project manager by trade so I combine those two skills to allow myself to you know um, see the big picture organize things in a semblance of order understand enough about technology to stitch the ideas and the way forward together, but financial investments was not my forte. Now, if I spent a lot of time on it and I made it my career, which I almost did, it's probably for another podcast, but I did get my series seven. At one point, I was going to go into the financial advisory business. Um, Different turns in life didn't take me there, but I probably would have been a decent financial advisor, but I'm not. So I don't have the time day to day that it takes to become astute with my money. So I realized that I needed to get the expertise to help me in that respect. So I would manage them on my own, but didn't do very well, right? So, and when I joined previous employers, um, when I joined one of my previous employers, um, I drank their Kool-Aid and signed up for a financial advisor. And because I did realize, well, maybe I need some help with it. And, And in short, it's been a very valuable experience for me because I have people with eyeballs on the account. Now in all full transparency, the financial advisor helps me with my retirement savings, not my non-retirement savings. I'm still very, very ultra conservative with non-retirement funds. I like to keep those in cash. But the reality is that for investment strategy and and figuring out what's going in in the market, I figured out that a, a good financial advisor could be just as valuable as a good attorney, as a good accountant. So for me, that's my situation. So, and my rule of thumb is if the financial advisor generates more return on the investment than they actually cost me, then I make, I'm ahead. Because typically if I do it on my own, I'm typically either flat to losing. So what do I have to lose? Um, so Jody, I'll let you go. What's your current situation when it comes to financial advisors and, and, and how you, um, how you deal with financial advisors on that. Topic.
0: Yeah. I, I've had a couple of financial advisors over the years. Um, the first one that I used came as a family friend, um, who I initially thought was very knowledgeable and very kind. And he was a very kind person. Um, but he ended up doing things his way. Um, there were a couple of, you know, times where, where, I outlined what I wanted to accomplish with my meager little investments and how I wanted to grow them. And I, have always had a very long-term, outlook on things. You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I don't have the day trader mentality. I would not be a very good, um, wall street guy because I'm not interested in, you know, timing the market or finding the value or I just want to buy things that have good value, that have a good long-term outlook and can take me you know, from where I am to where I want to be in, in a long-term kind of a way. Um, but over the course of that first relationship, he kind of executed a couple things that he did his way. Um, a good example is I wanted insurance, and so he uh, got me a whole-life insurance policy uh, and didn't tell me. <laughs> ah, and okay. and, and that, that turned out to be uh, not such a great thing for us. And we'll leave it at that. We've talked about a whole life in the past. You can go back and listen. Um, But we came to a place of disagreement and we parted ways. My current financial advisor came to me, again, kind of accidentally as a consultant to a company that I used to work for. And he set up the company 401k plans. Um, And so we got to know each other a little bit. Again, nice guy. And I think that's really important that you get along with this person that you're going to, just like any other professional that you're going to employ or work with, you need to get along with them. Uh, you need to be able to communicate and understand with them. And this that was a relationship that's grown over the years um, to to where it is now, where he is my financial advisor. He is my – he's also my, my accountant. He does my taxes every year. Um, but the thing that I like about this relationship that I have with him, and now this is probably pushing 10 years at this point, he's always presented me with the facts of what I wanted to do rather than telling me what to do. Um, and, uh, to the point where just recently in the last four years, like I just said, you know, we, I withdrew a considerable amount of money from my retirement account to start the business that I wanted to start. And, uh, you know, I remember the day where I went in and I, I explained to him what I wanted to do. He never said to me, don't do that. He never, he never said, no, that's a bad idea. Don't do it. What he said was, okay, if you do that, here's what's going to happen. And he let me make the decision and with my personality, that's what I needed because I evaluate everything on facts. Um, you know, just give me the, what's going to happen. Give me the factual path. Give me the, give me the potential outcomes and I'll make the decision. So he's been a guide rather than a gatekeeper. And I really like that about our relationship. Um, so, uh, that's, that's how I've come to a place of, of using a financial advisor is just someone who I can, who I get along with, Someone who um, provides guidance without providing judgment um, and, and allowing me to walk the path that I want to walk uh, and make those decisions. Um, so what, what I don't think financial guys uh, – what, what I don't think financial advisors are, they're not your money guy, right? Yeah, people say, oh, I got a money guy. <laughs> um, you know, it, 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 it just has this, it has this vision of like, you know, a guy in a fedora on a street corner play, playing cards or something like, he's not, he's not your money guy. He's, he's a trusted, valued, um, professional who can give you the advice and give you the guidance to what you want to accomplish and walk with you through that and, and teach you how to get there.
1: Yeah, that all makes great sense, and I love the way you put it. And you hit some things that I I, I jotted down some notes like I always do. Um, my FA explains things to me clearly. If we're gonna make a change in my investments, he explains them to me clearly how and in a way I can understand it. He gives me the reasons why we want to make that change, and there's no pressure to do so. He gives me the advice that his other much, 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 much more wealthy clients take from him. <laughs> I think I'm definitely <laughs> low man on the totem pole in his same, same. <laughs> and his portfolio and of customers. So I love that about him. And I can, I can answer, I can ask questions of him freely without any kind of um, nervousness, right? Um, he's definitely not uh elitist or you know oh that's a dumb question right he he takes the time to answer those questions for me um, but you did hit something else on the other on the head on the head I had a, a dear friend of mine who I had a conversation with him a number of years ago and he was telling me that um yeah his, his dad had a guy um and yeah he, he he's gonna triple my money and I said whoa I said please <laughs> do not please do not give them any of your money right so it, it i think it, any it, any responsible financial
0: professional would, would never look at somebody across a desk and say i can triple your money come on
1: yeah, really it, it really is um interesting right how that all works but um but that's what happens and i said please don't don't when you as soon as you hear hey i'll double your money right no right they can't guarantee that's it's got Madoff written all over it right so just be careful when you're out there and that's that's something that's sad but true i think a lot of people don't pay enough attention and, and don't do enough of the risk analysis and don't do enough due diligence in some of their picks. But we'll go into the discussion topics, and I think this will all kind of flush out as we go through the topics this week, right? So uh, the first one is, why do you need one? And, and I think we said that at the top of the podcast. I'm not in the financial advisory business, and Jody, neither are you, and we need expertise to help us, right? I think that's kind of the short answer. Um, I don't know if you have any commentary on that, Jody, but that's how I feel is why do we need one? Because you want to have someone that can help you where you don't, you have that blind spot. I have a blind spot when it comes to the investing piece of personal finance. Um, I think we do the other aspects reasonably well, but that's one of my blind spots. So I want to cover that blind spot and get a good financial advisor to help me with that part of my financial picture. What's your take when it comes to why you need one?
0: I think the the why and the when are both linked. You, you need a financial advisor, just like you hire any professional, to do something that you don't have the skills to do, right? I mean, a, a good example is, you know, I'm pretty handy around the house. I can do a lot of things. You know what? I'm really not good at hanging doors. <laughs> so I hired a guy to come into my house and hang a couple closet doors. Now you say, "Come on, Jody, give me a break." It's, if you can do all this other stuff, you can't hang a door? No, I'm just really I'm not good at it. And um, there's a lot of things about hanging a door. Anybody who's tried to ever tried to hang a door knows that there's a lot of things that can throw off. It's all math, right? And there's a lot of things that can throw off um, a door that doesn't ha- that that needs to hang right. Um, so wh- why and when? to do the things that you can't do that are outside your skill set. Um, it's also not such a bad idea to have someone who just has a second perspective. Um, you know, and, and that goes back to the personality of picking a financial advisor. Um, you don't pick someone who's going to necessarily second guess you or say, Oh, you shouldn't do that, or, well, that's a bad idea, that's a terrible idea. Pick someone who's going to give you, at least for my personality, the financial the potential uh, factual outcomes. Okay, if you do this, here's what happens. If you do this, here's what happens. If you want to get to here, you should consider this. That kind of factual input with no judgment. Uh, that that's
1: that's how you should pick any professional. Very cool. Very cool. So I guess what we covered the why and the when. Now the what. What do we buy from them, right? So typically for me, I am buying investment products. I'm buying. Uh, stocks, I'm buying. Bonds, I'm buying. Money markets, I'm buying. Equities, I'm buying. Mutual funds for the most part. Um, I I don't buy mortgages. I don't buy insurance products. I don't buy those from my financial advisor. I have different people that can set me up with with those products. So I typically don't mix those products with my investments. Um, now I think my company can support those. But they don't do that typically i don't buy tax advice from them Um, i typically use them very vanilla for my investments but i know that some firms will have some of these different services available that you could leverage um and the more money you have the more services they are apt to to want to throw at you but for me i see a financial advisor as they're going to help me pick my investments i see a An accountant that would help me with my taxes and my tax questions I see an attorney that would help me with my wills and estates and legal planning so I picture like at the table all my financial advisors are all kind of mixed and they all have their separate and distinct responsibilities Jody what is your take when it comes to what do you buy from a financial advisor
0: yeah, that's a great the great question, Paul. And um I I have not bought my insurance through my financial advisor either. I have that set up uh independently. Um I do like I said, uh the my financial advisor also does my taxes. I think that's a function of convenience. I know that some people say you should you should sort of ch- separate those church and state. Um so there's a little bit of oversight on each. Um, but the, the, my financial advisor um, does my taxes because I've developed a level of trust with him. And frankly, we're so plain vanilla on the taxes anyway. There's like there's no magic to doing our taxes. So it's really it's a convenience thing. I sit down with him for 30 minutes and bang, it's done. Um, you know, I think you need to, again, find your personality um, and separate things out to your satisfaction so if you are worried about things mixing, well, then find two professionals who can who can separate those out and buy different products from different people. Um, I, I think this is really one of those things where you have to do a lot of soul searching and a lot of a lot of inward looking. You know, does this person make me comfortable? Does this person seem to have the knowledge and the approach that I need to tap into in order to get me to where I want to go?
1: Yeah, I agree, Jody, and and maybe. As a general rule, I think you keep them separate. But to your point, if you're comfortable, and once again, we talked about this over and over, financial, personal finance is very personal. If you're comfortable with a dual role strategy for your advisor, that's fine, right? If, if you're comfortable and you're at that point, um, I, I think as a general rule of thumb, um, and I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, I try to keep them separate and I have. I've kept all those segregation of duties in place uh, because that's how I feel most comfortable. But I think that in your situation, Jody, it, it works fine. So once again, you do what works for you. And, and But as a general rule, I like to keep them separate. But if you have that capability to have a couple of these things paired up, that's great too. Um, the next topic is fees. Uh, in my view, fees are okay. If they're doing a better job at managing your money than you do. So if you pick a financial advisor that wants to sell you products that you're unfamiliar with and some of the things I'm going to throw at you right now are annuities, um, you know hedged options, uh, derivative products. Um, and some of you are saying, well what are those? exactly <laughs> you know what you're <laughs> investing in. Um, the, uh, annuities are probably you know something that very few circumstances call for annuities. And if they hit you with annuities, you really have to question at a minimum what the motive is behind your financial advisor trying to sell you an annuity. Similar to the whole life policy, Jody. They make all their money on annuities. It's all front-loaded commissions. If you simply ask, what is your commission when I close this annuity deal with you? You'll, you'll stop them in their tracks because they know exactly what I'm talking about. So if you have... A financial advisor that you're interviewing and starts talking about annuities for your portfolio and you're 30 years old, 40 years old, even if you're 60 years old. But I, I don't have a really strong case of when I'd ever want to see an annuity other than it makes the FA a lot of money. So that's just one telltale sign of, of, of how you want to uh, handle it. And they make a lot of money on the fees. But my general rule is typically they're going to make their money either through commission or they're going to make their money through uh, compensation directly on the financial advice that they give and it's and there's no commission and and that's how typically the fiduciary relationship works So typically a fiduciary is a sworn person that says okay I'm acting in your best interest and this is another podcast and there's there's episodes there's there's a lot of detail out there the only thing I tell you because it could be another several podcasts but a fiduciary is legally responsible in my understanding for acting out in your best, or acting in your best interest. And 95% of the financial advisors are not officially a fiduciary. 95% sell products in their sales, right? They're commission based. And so it's an interesting topic that I don't want to dive too deep into, but we said it at the beginning of the podcast, so I want to address it. A fiduciary is somebody that, um, you want to make sure has though if they have those credentials, make sure you follow them and and, and investigate them and like any other financial advisory relationship. Jody, what's your take when it comes to fees and and how they should be handled and and what's your view on on um, on them overall? Well, look, everybody's got to get paid, right? We
0: all need to make money, and 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 uh, financial advisors are no exception. I think it comes down to honesty. I think it comes down to transparency. Um, you know, regardless of the product and the commission rate and the, what they're getting paid, they just need to disclose that information with you. And you need to make a decision as to how comfortable you are with that. Um, I'm all for these guys getting paid. Absolutely. They can't do their jobs if they don't get paid. They're not, they're not charities. Um, but they need to disclose that for you. Uh, and they need to give you all the information that you need to make um, a satisfactory decision. Um, So just, you know, as you said, Paul, you know, ask them the questions, find out how much they're getting paid, how much of your money is going to go into their fees and what what they're going to take out of your account. Um, And then maybe approach it from the perspective of, okay, how are you going to come up with a strategy that offsets what you need to take out of my account to get paid? Um, How are we going to outpace you know, the what's coming out of the account? How are we going to keep this from dwindling down? Understanding they don't have a crystal ball, they can't predict the future of the stock market or whatever. Um, but the idea being is, is okay, how are we going to work together to make sure you get what you need, I get what I need, and we get to where we want to go together?
1: Yeah, well put, Jody, well put. Um, more succinct than I think I had tried to describe that topic. So I'm going to quickly move to the next topic, the benefits, right? Why should you have the financial advisor why do you need one and i think we've hit upon this already but they should handle they should have a better handle on my investments and my investment strategies because i'm paying them for that expertise right people pay me for my expertise in technology and project management and and i'm paying for that expertise in their financial acumen and their studying of the markets watching cnbc and 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 all these different channels day in and day out reading research participating with their peers in, in daily meetings to talk about financials, um, reading the Wall Street Journal, whether it's digital on an iPad or a physical paper, um, their benefit is their knowledge, right? That's first and foremost is the benefit of that you derive from them. Jody, what's your take when it comes to the benefits? Any other benefits that you could call out when it comes to why you need that financial advisor? Yeah, I think you you hire – like we said, you hire someone when
0: um, you need to tap into a skill set that you don't have, uh, whether that's a a teacher or a doctor or a financial professional. Um, And so you need to arrive at a place where – and you need to hire somebody who you can trust, somebody who you can understand because some of these financial – I mean the, I, I get to a point where you know I'm underwater on what they're talking about. And, and, and it's really easy to hire somebody like this, going back to the analogy of the money guy. Right To set it and forget it. Well, you know, I don't get this stuff, but I got a money guy and he's going to get No, 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 no. That's the wrong approach to take. Um, You need to be able to walk with this person. Uh, There there are people who have referred to hiring a financial professional that that has uh, the heart of a teacher. Uh, In other words, pick somebody and work with somebody who has the patience and the inclination to maybe not necessarily teach you what they're doing, but to explain what they're doing. To make sure that you're comfortable with it because a good professional who you hire, whether they're, like we said, you know, a landscaper or an architect or a financial professional or a doctor or a lawyer, or whoever, they should be able to under, to explain what they're doing to you to the point where you can understand it enough and you can be comfortable with it.
1: Very cool. Very cool. And, I yeah, that's an important benefit, right? So both of those, I think, um, summarize where you really want to be when it comes to um, – focusing on the benefits of why you want that financial advisor you want that trusted source who you have that good relationship with that you trust plus has the financial acumen i think the final topic we'll dive into is how do you pick a financial advisor and i had jotted down a couple of additional points here that i want to just call out and ramble them out before they lose um before they fall off the paper here so to speak Uh, bigger is better that's that's my personal opinion I've heard too many stories where people go with a very small one-man or two-man shop and then all of a sudden the money's gone for whatever reason. For me, and I know this is probably going to go against the grain, I prefer the big banks. Um, And I'm not going to call anyone out in particular, but the big banks have the firepower that if something goes sideways with one of their financial advisors, they're responsible for making you whole. So if you have... $100,000 invested with a guy who's on his own versus $100,000 invested with Spin the Wheel, Citibank, Merrill Lynch, um, Bank of America, whatever that is, and somehow something happens to that account and it goes to zero, if you're just depending on that one guy, you're probably going to stay at zero. If your money was held at one of the big banks, you'll probably be made whole. Um, And that's just my personal opinion on that. And Jody, I'll let you jump in on those pieces in a minute. Um, the other piece is around friends. Um, I have a, I have some friends that are financial advisors and I feel that in some respects it would wreck the relationship if I invested with them because, and I've seen it happen where people invest with their brother-in-law or their sister-in-law and something happens and the money goes away and you're, the relationship's never the same and I don't want to break relationships over money. So I'm more apt to have somebody that I'm friendly with, but not overly friendly with in terms of managing my money. You need somebody that you have the ability to get angry at without having to worry about getting angry with him or her. So I think that is important. Um, And then the other thing is word of mouth. Um, I found my financial advisor through word of mouth um, and and it worked out well. Um, And I know it's an old cliche, but you go to a cocktail party, you have dear friends and you're talking around the barbecue and you don't ask them okay how much you got in your account that's not the question (laughs) the question is well who do you use you don't ask those questions come on paul (laughs) (laughs) you know i i know people that ask those questions and i'm shocked every time they ask it and they'll ask things of that you you you're surprised um that they would ask such a question but people do and they have no filter and they just ask it right but Um, but the more pointed question is, um, do you have somebody that works with you on your financials? And, and if so, would you recommend them? Hey, I'll, you know, and that's how they get most of their business. The good financial advisors, they're not doing a lot of advertising. They're doing a lot of good work and they get referrals, right? And that goes for attorneys. That goes in your line of business, Jody, right? A lot of it's referral-based. So, Jody, I spoke a lot about those three tenets of how to find a financial advisor. What's your take when it comes to uh, finding the right financial advisor?
0: Uh, Paul, I, I think those are all great, and I think people should take those, those into account. Um, we just wanted to add to that. Uh, I heard a, a phrase a long time ago that has always stuck with me because it just seems to make a, a whole lot of sense, and that is when you're shopping for a doctor – Um, They say pick a doctor who's the same age as you so you can grow old together and the and the the subtext there is because you're all going to run into the same health problems at the same time right Um, similar with I think any other type of professional who you're going to have a long-haul relationship with you know if you pick there's this there there might be this conventional wisdom that, you know, pick someone who's older than you because they have the wisdom and they've seen it all and there. And there's something to be said for that. But I like the concept of picking someone who's roughly the same age as I am, because we're at the same place with our families. We're at the same place with saving for college. We're at the same place with trying to figure out retirement. We're running into the same problems at the same time. And so there is a, um, so almost like a philosophical kind of, a, yeah, I'm going through that right now too. And they have uh, a perspective on it that will, I think, match up really well with, with what you're trying to accomplish because they're trying to accomplish the same thing at the same time for themselves. Um, and so I would add to your terrific list, Paul, pick someone who is roughly your same age um, so you can walk together through
1: all of this together. Yeah, that makes sense. And then there's also some... Cursory things that we always tell people right so you could use the internet if you find the financial advisor look at their linkedin try to find their facebook profile not stalking but you want to google them right oh were they, stalk. go ahead right? where we they were they it. arrested for embezzlement <laughs> and now they got their license back right you know do they have any dings against them and so you could look and i think there's um so there's sites out there where you could look google news lives forever that's it Absolutely, Uh, but there's also sites where you could check the background of your FA. Are they properly licensed? Do they have a certified financial planner, a CFP or a CFA designation? Um, There's a lot of things you could find out about your financial advisor out there. Do they have any disciplinary marks against them? Any uh, Better Business Bureau um, uh, claims against them or dings against them? Uh, so, So do your searching, right? So if you find the right people, do your searching as a kind of a belt and suspenders approach. So you, you got your recommendation from somebody that you trust. You met with the person. You're ready to do it. Give them a Google search. You know, uh, just just check them out fully. Uh, check out their website. Uh, check out the company, the background that they're working for. Um, all those types of different things. So I think those are all important. So I think with that, we'll close out the podcast um we'll go into the summary recap so for me the two big takeaways and and one was do your homework which i just described but the second one jody you put into my mind and that is trust is key you have to have implicit trust in the person or people that you pick to help you with your money um, because i think that's incredibly important so jody what's your recap for today
0: yeah, I think um, just going back to what we talked about, um, it's really important to pick someone who matches your personality, who can guide you toward what you want to accomplish rather than tell you what to do to get there. Uh, and there is a real nuance there. Um, uh, like we just mentioned, I think there's, there's something to be said for picking someone who's, uh, who's the same age, going through the same things as you are. Um, who agrees with sort of your worldview and I don't mean a political view but like you know uh, uh, what they're trying to do for their families Um, pick someone who shares the same goals who's going through the same things and always 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 I think when you're when you're dealing with a financial professional make sure you take the long approach and make sure you pick someone who shares that approach set your goals figure out how to get there together and then stick to that plan um, cause the worst thing you can do is, is try to, um, time things or try to, you know, make a quick buck or, or, or cut corners, you know, you're just not going to make it. Um, and, and I think the long approach is really, um, what,
1: what pays the most benefits here. Jody, well put, well put. So I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks everyone for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Jody reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well and thank you.